Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I'm going to jump straight in actually on this episode because there's quite a lot that I want to cover. Um, So I'm going to be talking today about how anxiety affects our sleep. Um, and more importantly for a lot of people I come across, how it impacts on things like insomnia. Now, it's quite common for me in clinic to work with people who are really, really struggling with their sleep. It kind of comes hand in hand with the anxiety issues that I tend to see people for. Um, There's quite a huge number of things that can affect sleep. So what I'm going to focus on in this episode is how anxiety affects sleep and then try and give you as many suggestions as possible as to how you can help yourself if sleep is becoming an issue for you. Now this is an interesting issue for me to kind of blog about, write about, uh, make podcasts about because it's actually an issue that I myself have suffered with quite significantly over the years Um, and I know especially when I'm experiencing mental health problems that it can get really really bad. So the good thing for you guys is that A lot of the suggestions I'm going to make here are ones that I have experienced and ones that I often still use in order to make sure that I'm getting enough sleep, despite whatever might be going on at the time. So basically, I'm going to share with you the things that I've found particularly helpful and also the things that have helped with clients as well. So I'm hoping there'll be some really good suggestions for you if this is something that you're struggling with. Now, anxiety and sleep. Now, anxiety is usually connected to sleeping problems. They come hand in hand, it's very, very common. The reason being really is that the anxiety, which is excess worry and fear, make it harder to actually fall asleep and stay asleep throughout the night. And the problem that we have as well with sleep problems is that sleep deprivation can actually make anxiety a lot worse. So we end up in this cycle of insomnia and anxiety making each other worse and worse and worse over time. So if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, um, and I strongly recommend you do if this is the first one you've listened to, but I talk a lot about anxiety, what it is, what causes it, how it happens, what happens in your body in other episodes. So I would suggest you go have a listen to those. But essentially, anxiety is that feeling of worry or unease about something. Now, it's normal to experience anxiety occasionally when we're actually in a situation that is stressful or could be dangerous to us. But what the thing is with anxiety disorders is that this anxiety becomes excessive. So the fears that you're having as part of your anxiety are completely disproportional to the situation. And what we really are working on when we're working with anxiety disorders is when anxiety and worrying interferes with your everyday life and stops you from doing things that you enjoy or holds you back in some way or stops you achieving something. That's when we really need to get involved. When these feelings become really, really persistent and they occur for most days for a period of six months or more, then we're talking about generalised anxiety disorder. Now, when you have anxiety, if you've experienced it or um, if you know somebody that has, basically what people feel is really nervous and really on edge. 
pretty much all of the time, certainly very often. And this can affect things like concentration and mood. It can lead to things like irritability and restlessness. And what people are feeling when they're having anxiety is kind of a sense of impending doom that can be really overwhelming and it can feel really out of control. So when we're talking about physical responses to anxiety, we're talking about like tension in the muscles, we're talking about rapid breathing, we're talking about heart racing, sweating, trembling, stomach issues, and quite often fatigue as well. It's quite exhausting being anxious all of the time. Now what we find is that serious sleep problems, so insomnia, are a common symptom of anxiety disorders. So people who are struggling with anxiety often ruminate, so they kind of mull over, they think over their concerns in bed. And this anxiety at night can stop you from falling asleep. Now the problem that we have as well with anxiety is that worrying about falling asleep can in fact complicate matters. Because what we can often do is create sleep anxiety, which reinforces that kind of dread, that worry, that fear. And when we start having negative thoughts about going to bed, then it can be a really challenging situation to come back from in terms of creating healthy sleep schedules and routines around sleep. Now, even if you get to sleep, if you struggle with anxiety, you might actually find that you wake up in the middle of the night. So then going back to bed can be a real challenge if the mind starts racing again with worry. Now, the problem with this is that it can lead to what we call sleep fragmentation. And this is quite disruptive to our sleep because it both reduces the quantity and also the quality of our sleep as well. So if you've ever worn one of those watches in bed that can track your sleep, you will have noticed how you have heavier and lighter periods of sleep and then disturbed sleep as well. And it can be quite interesting for people with anxiety to start to monitor that and think about what, how their sleep is affected. Now, we know that anxiety disorders do create problems in sleep cycles. So what's been found by research is that anxiety in general and then that pre-sleep worry or rumination can in fact rapid can affect rapid eye movement sleep which is also called REM sleep this is the point at which you do the most vivid dreaming and it's a really really important part of sleep and if we don't get enough REM sleep it can have quite a lot of health implications as well but also what can happen is that if you do get into REM sleep anxiety can seem to provoke more disturbing dreams as well, which can be what then causes disruptions in our sleep. So one of the worst things about having anxiety sometimes is the nightmares that can cause further fears around going to sleep. We also know that sleep deprivation is a really serious issue. So it can make anxiety disorders a lot worse, which means that it's not just a symptom of anxiety, Sleep deprivation can actually be a cause of anxiety as well. So whether you start by experiencing stress and it causes sleep problems, which leads to anxiety, or whether you have anxiety, which leads to sleep problems, which leads to worse anxiety, it becomes part of this cycle that can be really, really challenging. So researchers have found that people who are prone to anxiety 
are especially sensitive to the effects of insufficient sleep, which in turn provoke the symptoms of anxiety. So having anxiety does predispose you to worry about not sleeping, which makes everything a lot worse. Now we, we know, and it's well documented, that lacking sleep is a really bad thing. It's really detrimental to mood. It's really detrimental to mental health. And basically it makes the challenges of having anxiety just a whole lot worse. So anxiety and sleep deprivation end up being self-reinforcing. So basically worrying about stuff causes poor sleep. Poor sleep makes us worry more and have even more sleep difficulties. So it's just an ongoing cycle. So really one of the key things is how do we break that cycle? And this was what I was really hoping to dwell on as much as possible today is some useful things that you can actually take away and have a go at if sleep is an issue for you. So how do we break the cycle? That's the important part, isn't it? Well, it depends really what issue you're having. So I'm going to start with struggling to get to sleep. So what people with anxiety often find is that their mind is racing and they can't then get to sleep. So they go to bed, but then they lie there for ages, maybe tossing and turning, maybe getting annoyed that they can't sleep. This can be a really big challenge as it can be quite difficult to control that mind racing process and the problem is so i mean we teach clients to control this as part of an anxiety issue but the problem is that when we're trying to go to sleep we're also really really exhausted as well so trying to control something that's already difficult to control whilst feeling really really exhausted just makes it more challenging so in an ideal world we would learn to control this rumination this worry and if you wanted to learn how to do that, you can do that through learning self-hypnosis, using breathing techniques. My personal favourite self-hypnosis technique is something that we call progressive muscle relaxation. And basically all you do is as you're lying in bed, you go from head to toe in your mind, relaxing all of the muscles as you go down. Now the key thing to this is to really allow yourself to take your time. And imagine each, if you can, each individual muscle relaxing, completely loose and relaxed. It can also help whilst you're doing this to really notice how comfortable you are as you allow each and every muscle to relax deeply into your bed. And that's a really good self-hypnosis technique. It helps you relax everything. It helps you bring your mind into a state of focusing on relaxation instead of focusing on the things that you're worrying about. So that's a really, really great technique. That's, that's my personal favourite. And that's something that I use quite a lot when I'm struggling to sleep. So I also have a favourite breathing exercise as well. So breathing exercises really feel quite similar to self-hypnosis. My favourite one is the balloon exercise. So what you do here is you imagine that there is a balloon in your stomach. And basically, as you breathe in, you imagine that the balloon gets bigger. And as you breathe out, you imagine that the balloon gets smaller. And you just keep doing that, inflating and deflating the balloon in your stomach for as long as you feel like you need to. I mean, ideally until you fall asleep, basically. So these are both really good techniques for using 
your breathing or using relaxation to help you control that ongoing panic that's going on in your mind. Now, what can happen is that some people find they're too exhausted for these kind of techniques. They do take a bit of brain power. And I'm going to say right now, actually, that's okay. It is completely okay and does happen. If you don't feel up to it, then obviously that is not going to work for you. So what I would recommend in that situation is some form of distraction. Now, ideally, nothing that produces too much light or anything that's too engaging. What you're looking for is something that kind of occupies your mind enough to distract it from the worrying, but doesn't stop you from going to sleep. So things that work for me personally, when I'm too tired to do self-hypnosis or I'm too tired to do breathing techniques, are things like podcasts, music, nature sounds, and relaxation MP3s. Some people like the, um, I can't remember what it's called, I think it's AS, ASMR or something like that, the, the noises that you can get. Some people like that. It's not for me personally, but give it a go if you're curious. Now, I sometimes buy MP3s from other practitioners, um, mostly because it's, it's really weird listening to your own voice when you're trying to go to sleep. So most hypnotherapists will have MP3s that you can purchase. Um, if not, then contact them because they'll probably be able to make you one quite easily. Uh, luckily, with technology being the way it is, uh, those are really easy to do. So, I mean, my clients get one at the end of every session. And if you wanted to work on getting better sleep with me, then we would be able to create some for you. So if you're interested in that, just pop onto my website or drop me an email or contact me through the website and we'll be able to have a chat about creating some for you. But basically, what you need to think about doing is finding something that works for you. The self-hypnosis and the breathing techniques are probably the ideal. But as I said, if you're too tired, if you're too knackered to concentrate on doing that instead, then find something else that works for you. So that's for if you're struggling to get to sleep because you're thinking too much about things. The next one I want to talk about is what happens if you wake up in the middle of the night feeling quite panicky. Now, this is quite a common complaint and it can be really, really tricky because whatever causes you to feel that panic happens while you're asleep. So controlling that makes it really difficult. And sometimes people don't know what's caused it. They just wake up feeling really stressed out. Now, from a biological point of view, it's thought to be caused by excess levels of cortisol in the body. This is what we call a stress hormone, and it's released by the adrenal glands when we feel threatened. As a long-term solution, reducing the stress hormone is the best idea for stopping this from happening. And basically what that means is finding help with dealing with whatever stress or anxiety you have going on in your life. So that can be through somebody like me as a hypnotherapist or another practitioner who might work better for you. So explore things like counselling, explore different types of therapy and see what you think would work for you personally. Now more short-term solutions um, to deal with that kind of panic episode or panic attack if it goes that far and to try and get back to sleep are obviously quite useful for now. Now all of the things that I suggested before are also good ideas here. 
So you can do the self-hypnosis, you can do the breathing technique, um, you can distract yourself with something that's kind of engaging but not too engaging. But in this situation, there are a couple of other things I want you to be aware of that you need to make sure you catch. Now, clients have often told me, and this is something I've experienced as well, is that you wake up in the middle of the night and you have certain thoughts about the fact that you've woken up. And this can be problematic. So a few examples of these kind of thoughts are, oh, I've got to be up in a few hours, or great, now I'm going to be tired for work. Or maybe even more frustration, like, this is going to really screw me over for my big meeting tomorrow. Or in fact, later today, when you realise it's actually three o'clock in the morning and your alarm's going to go off at five or whatever. Now, these thoughts are likely to make your anxiety quite a lot worse in that situation and make it harder for you to get back to sleep again. So being aware that these thoughts are going to happen, they're very common, it's very normal for you to think that way, but it's really unhelpful, is a really key part of being able to get back to sleep again. So what we need to do is try and find alternative thoughts. Now, these are quite personal, and it's really important that you find something that makes sense to you, and that you then use those thoughts to help you calm yourself and then get back to sleep. I'll give you a few examples. So things like, I still have a couple of hours to get some more sleep. I can be kind to myself tomorrow and help me get through the day. I'm prepared for my meeting and I won't let a lack of sleep get in the way. It depends, I mean, a little bit. It depends on quite a lot of things. As I said, alternative thoughts are really personal. So you need to try and find alternatives that work for you personally and fit with kind of how you think and feel to be kind of that authentic, beneficial self-talk that you would need. We do a lot of exercises with clients to help them find these alternative thoughts. So if you're struggling with that, then let me know uh, and we can take you through those. What I'm going to do now is talk to you a bit more about some general sleep advice. So ways in which you can make sure that you're setting yourself up in the best way possible to ensure that you get the best possible night's sleep. Now we talk about something called sleep hygiene. And basically sleep hygiene is a really important part of making sure that you're able to get the best night's sleep possible. In order to practice good sleep hygiene, you need to think about the environment you sleep in, as well as your behaviors before you go to bed and your routines and habits about going to bed. And this is how you do that. So this is some things you might want to think about how you can incorporate these into your everyday life. The first one is keeping regular sleep times. Now, it's really important that keeping a regular bedtime and alarm time is something you have to think about. Because basically you're getting your body into the routine of going to sleep. Our bodies absolutely love routine. They can adapt to new routines surprisingly quickly. And when they're in a routine, they're much more comfortable. Get used to it. They know how everything works. They know what to expect. It's kind of a comfy place for our body. So try and keep regular hours, even on days off, because then what happens is your body will get comfortable with the idea that, oh, it's this time. Now I go to sleep. What happens is if you don't keep a regular timing and a regular sleep schedule, you're essentially causing jet lag in your body because it then struggles to know when the right time to feel tired is, when the right time to feel energetic is, when it needs to get up. 
So that routine is just really, really important. Now, the occasional late night isn't going to cause too much of a problem, as long as you get back into your routine as quickly as you can. So the second thing that is really important and is really something to be aware of and something to think about is that you create quite a restful sleeping environment. So that means your bedroom really should be a nice peaceful place for you to sleep and rest. So have a think about for you what the best temperature, lighting, ideally as much noise control as possible, so that your bedroom environment helps you to fall and stay asleep. Now, I would always recommend that you don't be afraid to use things like sleeping masks or earplugs if you need to, um, because I'm aware and I myself live in a town, so it's not always the quietest place in the world. Things like foam earplugs can be really good um, because they still let some noise in, so you'll notice if something serious happens, like a fire alarm, but it just dulls out all of the background noise. So that can be a really useful way of getting a bit more peace and quiet than maybe you naturally have. The next thing to really think about is to make sure that your bed is actually comfortable. So it can be really difficult to get proper sleep on a mattress that's not right for you or a bed that's the wrong size or something that's really old. So I would strongly recommend investing in a mattress, pillows that suit you. And I would say be okay with experimenting a little bit. A lot of the mattresses and things now, they offer money back guarantees if they don't suit you. So have a think about which ones you can try. Something I also found incredibly helpful was investing in some like really decent cotton bed clothes just because they allow for better temperature regulation and they're a lot more comfortable to sleep in. So just have a think about how you can improve those aspects of your sleep. Now, the next one is a really common piece of advice. We very strongly recommend for good sleep hygiene that you engage in regular exercise. Now, we, we know basically that exercise is good for health, mental health, all kinds of different things. But it's also really, really important for helping you to sleep well as well. So where you can try and engage in exercise that you enjoy and raises your heart rate, because what this does is it encourages your body to release endorphins. And these are really, really helpful in calming those stress hormones. And it also gives a signal to your body that at some point you're going to need to rest and recuperate from the exercise that you've done. The next piece of advice for good sleep hygiene is to avoid stimulants as much as you possibly can. Now, the most common culprits for this are caffeine and nicotine, and they impact quite severely on your sleep. They're, I mean, they're stimulants, so they're chemically designed to keep your brain awake. So really, the, the best advice here is to try and reduce your consumption to those to an absolute minimum. Now, I have to say from a personal point of view, reducing caffeine completely has had a huge impact on my sleep quality. And as someone that hasn't smoked since I was a student, both of those things really just don't feature now in my life. Now, I know this can be really hard. Giving up both nicotine and caffeine can be a real challenge. So it depends on how much you're consuming. Sometimes it can be quite uncomfortable as well. 
So I would strongly recommend that if you feel like you need help with either of those things, then you consider contacting your GP because there's loads and loads of resources, particularly for giving up nicotine, that can be really, really beneficial. Um, there's all sorts of things like patches, there's hypnotherapists that specialise in smoking cessation. So have a look into all of those things if you're considering the idea of giving up those stimulants because they will have quite a significant impact on how well you sleep. So another aspect of sleep hygiene is to consider avoiding consuming too much, especially before bed. Now this can be a really, really tricky one because it depends again on your lifestyle, on your routines. Both myself and my husband often work quite late evenings, so we end up having our evening meal quite late, um, definitely too close to when we're going to bed. Um, but it's just the way that it is, unfortunately. So you have to find your own workarounds. For me personally, it's helped to reduce the size of those evening meals and maybe shift some of that food into lunch instead to make sure that you're still getting the calorific requirements that you need. Another common thing that people overindulge in is alcohol. In an ideal world, alcohol would be kept to an absolute minimum when it comes to sleep. Um, it's a bit of a tricky one, alcohol, because often people use it to help them get to sleep. And quite a lot of my clients will eventually admit to drinking most nights because it helps them to get to sleep. The, the problem with this um, is that alcohol really disrupts a lot of processes in our body. So it disrupts how we regulate our body temperature and it disrupts our hydration levels, even in quite small amounts, frustratingly. So what it can do is actually help us get to sleep maybe, but it causes us to wake up loads in the night. So what I would suggest is, if you're dealing with stress and anxiety and you're finding that your couple of glasses of wine or your couple of G's and T's or your whiskey nightcap is helping you get to sleep, but then causing you to wake up at night, is just go back and listen to some of the suggestions I had about what to do if your mind is racing and you can't sleep because that's usually what people are trying to avoid when they decide to incorporate alcohol into that. So have a go at some of those and see if there's a way that you can help yourself get to sleep that doesn't then impact later on being able to stay asleep and get a full night's sleep. So another thing to be aware of when it comes to sleep hygiene is to have a think about avoiding bright lights, particularly in the hour or so before you go to bed. The reason for this is that when we're exposed to bright lights, it stops the production of melatonin. And melatonin is a hormone that our body produces, which actually helps us go to sleep. So when you think about your house in the evenings or wherever you're spending time, think about how you might be able to reduce some of the light in that situation. So it might be that you use lamps instead of bright overhead lights. It might be in the summer that you actually draw the blinds and the curtains maybe an hour or so before you go to bed. It can also be quite useful to install night lights in places like the bathroom um, because certainly what I found is that you go upstairs to brush your teeth before bed, turn on the bathroom light, the bathroom is white and shiny hopefully and it's all just very very bright. So putting in some night lights means that you can still see what you're doing but it's not quite so intrusive it's not that big bright daytime kind of light this can also cover electronics as well 
So consider using things like a night mode on phones, um, turning down the brightness on the TV. And if it fits with your lifestyle, maybe consider which electronics you could maybe do without in the hour before you actually go to bed. Now, the key thing with all of this is that you find what works for you. And it's important that you find things that fit with your lifestyle, your family, the way that you think, the way that you feel about things. I've never really been a fan of the word should. So when I'm giving this kind of advice, I'm kind of reluctant to say this is what you should do and make sure that you do this. Um, because I think it's perfectly okay for different people to have different needs when it comes to their anxiety and their sleep. So really all I'm suggesting for you is that you have a bit of a think about and get kind of curious and a little bit experimental about what might work for you and try a few things. See what works and then see if you can build a routine around the things that work best for you and fit with your unique set of circumstances and pressures. So that's everything I was hoping to go through today. It's a bit of a bumper episode, but I wanted to make sure that if you were struggling with sleep, there was stuff here that you could actually go on and have a go at doing, uh, rather than just giving you loads of background information about why we struggle to sleep. Because whilst that's interesting, and for somebody geeky like me, I find it fascinating, it doesn't really achieve anything. So I'd be really interested to know which of these things you've tried, which ones you liked and why, which ones you didn't like and why. So make sure if you want to get in touch with me, you head over to my website. I can, of course, work with you if you are struggling with your sleep. We can do that online. Uh, we can do that through creating MP3s. Um, just drop me a message again through my website and we'll be able to work out something that works for you personally. But until next week, I'm going to say a very well-rested goodbye. And I very much hope that if you have a go at some of these things yourself, then when I'm chatting to you next week, you'll be feeling all rested and ready to go. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.